Another week, another crisis. We've got some alternative programming to take your mind off things. That's coming up next on Access Louisville. joining us. My name is David Mann and joining me today is Haley Coppin. Hey there. And just It's Haley just me. Coppin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> we, uh, Access Louisville is doing something a little different this week. Normally, I would tell you that Access Louisville is a weekly podcast of Louisville Business First. And each week we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But we're going to try something out uh, that's a little different this week. Uh, obviously, everyone has been fixated on the uh, the riot in uh, in Washington D.C. this week at the U.S. Capitol. Obviously, we we know wow, you know we're the same way. Uh, we've been watching it, been wondering what the outcome uh, will be. Um, as an American, I'm just outraged that this happened, and I want to see uh, the people that perpetrated this brought to justice. Uh, uh, <laughs> Wednesday night, you should see me. I was I was like yelling at my tv as this thing was going on Ang- angrily pacing around your yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got my steps in that day because i uh i was angrily pacing like watching <laughs> you, you yeah you described it right and i was just you know i couldn't believe what i was uh, yeah absolutely and i mean from my standpoint you know what outrages me the most is that they were Security was so lapsed there that they were even unable to arrest people on site, and now they're trying to locate all of these whack jobs. That's, that's what <laughs> like, I was like, you like, had them in custody. <laughs> like, why did yeah. they? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if they can arrest, you know, hundreds of Black Lives protest, Black Lives Matter protesters over the summer, but they can't arrest, <clears throat> you know, these outsiders from DC that, you know, literally just walked in, <laughs> like, uh, their I think. Yeah, smash smash their way in and you know to to almost no um no, no uh, aversion they just walked right in so yeah. I I think that's the most um obscene thing to me is that like there's these people are still out you know walking around doing what they want because there was no there was no force there to you know capture them on site and prosecute them <laughs> that was maybe the silver lining in all this was that you get that we learned that our national security in our capital is not what it needs to be and uh, who knows what these people walked away with uh that kind of worries me um yeah but hopefully uh hopefully who that, knows what like people just had sitting out on their desk exactly like, i mean there could be office. classified information you know yeah uh there was one person i saw i think on facebook who stole nancy pelosi's mail like stealing yep. mail is a federal offense. That is a, stealing that is it from a congresswoman's offense. office has got to be like uh, yeah. a, the worst version of that federal offense. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell too much on what's happening in Washington. I said we'd give you alternative programming, uh, and uh, you know that's obviously a national story. You know, concerns us. We're we're watching it, but uh, we're a local podcast, so we want to stick with a local topic here. Uh, and uh, that's that's what we got this week. We're uh, basically going to talk about a story that Haley has been following for a long time. Uh, since when did this deal happen? Christmas week. Uh, around Chris, yeah, around Christmas week. Uh, Steve Ritchie, former CEO 
of uh, Papa John's uh, has purchased Luvino, a uh, restaurant in Louisville. And uh, we did the story on louisvillebusinessfirst.com a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, after that, Haley had some time to sit down and talk to Steve Ritchie. So I guess um, just to start, you know, tell us a little about Steve. You know, why did you want to talk? Yeah, well, Steve uh, is a very interesting guy. He, Before he was the top executive at Papa John's, I mean, he worked for that company for, I think, over two decades. So he has a long corporate history here. Um, you know, really saw Papa John's scale um, over the past um, two decades, just seeing that company grow. And after he exited it, he thought, you know, I don't want to go back in the corporate world. Uh, Luvino is an upscale um, upscale brand that focuses on wine as mm. well as, you know, the small plates um, and big wines. That's their kind of catchphrase. I think Luvino has something that you don't see uh, every day across uh, the, the restaurant segment here in Louisville and the other restaurants in Cincinnati and up, up throughout Indiana. You know, it's very chef driven. Um, the chefs are provided with a tremendous amount of latitude and autonomy to, to use their own creative abilities with the menu, uh, about half of the menu uh, is the classics that have existed on the on the menu since inception. Examples like the the Brussels sprouts, the loaded tots, um, the, the, you know, the fried chicken tacos have been there uh, for a long time. But at the other half of the menu, every executive chef in each one of the restaurants has latitude to create that, and you'll see new seasonal menus roll out about you know every quarter or so. You see a lot of additions, and then from time to time there'll be uh, new highlighted uh, dishes on the menu uh, by those executive chefs. I think that's number one. So I covered restaurants way, way pre-pandemic days, and so did you. So, um, you know, I guess back then, back when I was a reporter, we saw um, a lot of restaurants focusing on the beverages that they offered. They would have craft cocktails and, and all this business. Um, but do you hear as much about that now during the pandemic, the cocktails and the beer selection and the wine, or is that uh, kind of diminished because more people are getting to go? Well, honestly, I mean, liquor costs are one of the restaurant's biggest expenses. Um, I, I've been working on a story about restaurant finances and people spend so much on liquor and beer um, for the restaurants. But you know, I think the focus has shifted from that in-person dining experience of like creating like this really cool cocktail that, you know, you light on fire at the table. Mm. It, it's gone from that in, in restaurant drinking experience to how can we make this in like a gallon size and how do we sell it <laughs> out of our doors? Um, it's gone to volume and, you know, pricing it at a point where, you know, people will order it for delivery and to go. And um, that's been key in kind of keeping some of these restaurants afloat because if you can sell, you know, a gallon of some kind of rum cocktail or something, you know, that's an extra 50 bucks or something that you wouldn't have um, normally. So I think restaurants are still trying to utilize the liquor um, as much as possible because it's, it's a big, um, uh, it brings in a lot of revenue for them that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise just with regular meal sales. Mm -hmm. And I have said since the beginning of the pandemic that to go cocktails, to go margaritas specifically have been the, uh, the one bright spot <laughs> of the pandemic. The highlight of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hadn't gotten any in a while. I had to find a place that's doing that. So because the food matters. Uh, the other thing is with the wine. So as we said, say, uh, small plates and big wines, there's an array of a selection of wines, but uh, even more importantly, there's a selection of up to 50 
a wines by the glass. So yeah. typically at a restaurant, you see a couple of wines by the glass. In this case, there's a tremendous uh, variety and a lot of options out there for that. Uh, the wine flights, I think, are also very creative and unique uh, in the way that those have been developed. Uh, the guests uh, seem to really like those. They, they mix quite high uh, on the menu. And, uh, you know, and, and anyway, I, I just think that the ambiance as well as that come into each of the restaurants, it's very comfortable. It's a, a chic kind of a layout, uh, just a, a conducive kind of place for, you know, for joining. And, and once we get through this pandemic, I have no doubt in my mind there's going to be a lot of people wanting to a pent-up demand to get back into the restaurants and places that are comfortable setting like this with great food and, and great drinks and, and an environment where people want to get together, I think is is a winning concept. So right now, five restaurants, but I think there is definitely a potential to expand the concept. Uh, I like to keep things in contiguous circles geographically, so there's you know opportunities within the tri-state area where we exist today to to expand as we you know as we get out of this pandemic. I guess that's got to be the light at the end of the tunnel, right? I mean, our our restaurateurs, I mean, they, they've got to be so focused on post-pandemic at this point, right? Well, I think a lot of them are still taking it day by day, honestly. I mean, I think they have that hope for the future that, you know, things are going to get back to some resemblance of, you know, being able to have a packed restaurant again by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, they're kind of in the throes of it still. I mean, COVID cases are spiking in Kentucky again right now. And so I think a lot of them are just like laying awake at night thinking like, am I going to have to shut down my dining yeah. room again? They're <laughs> so, not thinking about August. They're thinking about tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, they still hold on to that hope because it keeps them, keeps them going every day. Um, but I think they can't really, you know, cling to too much because uh, mm-hmm. we don't know when when that light is going to you know just be direct sunlight for, for now it's just like this little pinpoint in the distance um but i think a lot of restaurants are you know talking about shifting models you know in the future i think we, we've seen that innovation in biscuit belly like biscuit belly is opening its first drive through location um which i don't think that brand was initially set out to be a drive through brand. Um, I think right. a lot of fast casual spots that, you know, typically aren't drive through or delivery focused are shifting to that because they realize, you know, even after the pandemic, people are going to want that convenience still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The delivery thing has been nice. So I used like um, Grubhub and DoorDash before the pandemic. Uh, but not as many restaurants were on there and some of them would be uh, charging $10 delivery fee. And I'm like, why are you even on here? If you're going to charge a $10 delivery fee, there's no way I'm paying that high of a fee. Um, and I, you know, and I can, I know a restaurant person would explain to me why that fee was so hard, so high, uh, because there was cost to it. But I think the, uh, the pandemic did drive a lot more restaurants to those platforms. So those platforms have gotten better. DoorDash, Postmates, um, Grubhub, uh, pick your uh, pick your service that you use, but uh, um, so I think that you know really I don't think that's going away. Like I think there's going to be even after the pandemic's over, people are going to want delivery cocktails and yeah. delivery <laughs> food. Well, well, even like Richie said though, I think that there's this pent up desire for people to just want some kind of normal life again. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to go out and eat regularly and you know, visit with their friends and, you know, have get togethers and just being like a crowded place again. Like I know that gives some people anxiety, but it gives me like 
this not um this like reminiscing feeling of like yeah, yeah. when was the last time I was in a room with you know a hundred other people and I think I remember now it was uh <laughs> January of last year, probably my last time at Venture Connectors here in Louisville was the yeah. last time I was in like a packed house room. Um, yeah. So it's just, uh, I think people want, you know, that shared communal experience of, you know, dining together and being together, talking about stuff that's not just going on in their own families, but like with each other again. Yeah, that's totally true. Me and my wife used to go, we don't, we don't have cable. So every time L played, L basketball and they played twice a week we would go to a bar and watch them play and get food and it was very expensive um, but um uh you know we missed that now we you know we cook food at home and watch it on uh watch it on tv we we did finally break down and buy a service that allows us to watch uh basketball on on tv in our house but uh, and it's much cheaper than going to a bar every twice a week but um but yeah, you know, I miss that. So I think it's gonna like the best businesses. It seems like you're gonna have to do both things. Probably gonna have yeah. to be good at delivery, and they're probably gonna offer what uh, what uh, Steve Ritchie was talking about here, which is a good place for friends to gather. Yeah, and there's gonna have to be some kind of hybrid model. I don't think we're gonna be singular focused uh, on you know more of the upscale casual dining. Uh, certainly, fast casual I think has. Uh, some of the best growth potential QSR is on fire right now, especially if you have a, a drive through. Uh, and I think it's got you know, sustainable potential as well. But I think fast casual is probably uh, a better overall growth channel while we continue to look at you know the opportunities within the upscale casual dining side. It'll all depend, though. You know, each market has its own competitive set uh, that exists today. So uh, analyzing the competitive set, what's happening within each of the segments where there may be space uh, to strategically enter into the market and with that kind of growth and something unique and different. So I think the strategy will remain the same as Endeavor is going to continue to look at differentiated concepts uh, that have great food experiences, great great ambiance, uh, and are really differentiated in those individual marketplaces that will be more broad on you know, the different segments uh, you know, that we'll be looking at from breakfast to lunch to dinner. Uh, and across the board from, you know, chicken to, to burger, uh, to other various things that we think are unique and different, uh, you know, that are going to complement the current community. I feel like, and I'm making this analogy up as I go along. So forgive me if it's terrible, but like restaurants are kind of like bands where there's like all these different artists working together to make something. And sometimes, you know how, that will just fall apart because yeah. it's a uh, you know I mean, it's a lot of emotion and art behind it. But uh, sometimes you get Queen, sometimes you get Motley Crue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was thinking Metallica because Metallica, uh, they're like I don't want to call them corporate, but they definitely like know their brand and know their fans and know their show, and that is like they're doing. Metallica in the most efficient way a rock band can be run <laughs> where sometimes you have uh I don't know who would be a good example of the other but just a band that just totally melts down you know that that's your uh that's some of your some of your shorter lived restaurants <laughs> so um but uh, not you know and I love Metallica I'm not trying to trying to tarnish no, I, I think that's very excellent, artistic but <laughs> I think that is an excellent analogy I never thought of it that way but yeah it's like whether you're a well-oiled band or you know a band that just 
fights all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 and it's the same way the with show. Ezra. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and sometimes the you know explosive partier types, you know, they make the best music. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes they have the best food, and it's disappointing that they're the shortest lived. But yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> that happens. You take that what ha- you can get. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, but uh, anyway, switching gears here. Um, let's see. Zoom is mad at me for something. Uh, and then you predicted that um, this restaurant would be a big company that we're following in the next year. What made you think that? Yeah, like I like I mentioned earlier in this conversation, I really don't think Richie's new company, Endeavor Restaurant Group, is going to be this one and done um, concept. I think they're they're going to get their feet under them at Luvino, like however long that takes, probably a couple of months, several months here. Um, just figuring out how that business operates, you know, what its margins are, what they can do to improve it. And then once, you know, they feel comfortable with that, I'm absolutely certain they're going to acquire another restaurant company or group or some other um, concept. It's not going to be a one location concept here in Louisville. It's going to be a concept with some scale, at least, you know, three to five locations Mm -hmm. already existing, something that Richie thinks that he can grow. So this could be good for Louisville. I mean, it's obviously, um, I don't think this is going to grow into a Papa John's, but this could grow into another uh, big restaurant group that's based here in Louisville. Right? And we have some of those. Um, still, Olé kind of comes to mind there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you guys don't know about Olé as kind of an overarching organization, I know you've heard of their restaurants. Um, you know, El Taco Luchador, uh, Steak and Bourbon, I know is a favorite of David's. <laughs> I, I bring um, it up way too much. but <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually just got a gift card there for Christmas. Um, so I was thinking about it as well. <laughs> um, but they also have that new concept in, in Nulu, uh, La Bodega de Mima. I'm butchering that name. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. I think but you were close. They, they own several restaurants, but theirs is kind of different because they only have so far, they only have like one scalable model, which is El Taco Luchador. I mean, they're not opening several steak and bourbons. I yeah. mean, <laughs> um, those are kind of unique restaurants to the area. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Endeavor and uh, what's what their next acquisition will be. All right. Well, uh, Haley, thank you very much. I'll always, We're always happy to talk about restaurants on this show. I think that's our number one topic. Restaurants and coronavirus. It's the, one, it's the <laughs> two topics that keep this show going. Well, and then they're going hand in hand, too. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, and when we're talking about a business podcast, then, yeah, they go, they go hand in hand. So uh, before we sign off, uh, Haley, where can people find you on uh, social media? Yeah, you can find me mostly on Twitter at BF Lou Haley. Um, I'm also on all the other social medias, so Facebook, uh, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I am also more of a Twitter person. My uh, Twitter handle is BF Lou David, and um, you can also find me on Instagram at DMan3001 and uh, LinkedIn as well. Um, if you like what you hear, uh, please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast on popular services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you like to go. Uh, thank you very much again, Haley. And thank you guys for listening at home. This is kind of a special episode. We'll get back to the usual routine uh, next week. But uh, until then, we'll see you next time. Bye.